This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. The following presentation of the Midland City Council will begin in a moment. The Midland City Council is the city's legislative body that sets policies, approves budgets, determines tax rates, and adopts ordinances and resolutions to govern the city. It is made up of five elected officials that represent the wards in which they reside, and councilmen are elected to two-year terms. The mayor is elected from among the council members by vote of the city council. City council meetings are held at 7 p.m. two Mondays per month in council chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV Channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through Channel 99 on at and or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs Podcast Channel. Regarding um, our budget, it's our work session, and with that, Mr. Branson, would you please call roll? Uh, yes, Mayor Docker? Here. Councilman Arnaski? Here. Councilman Brown Wilhelm? Here. Councilman Wasbinski? Here. And Councilman Karen Hall? Here. Great, All thank pressure. you. All right, I will turn it over to you. All right, thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, th this has been an interesting year. Um, I look back at our session from last year, and I think Dave started out with comments, something to the effect of uh, how difficult it was because of COVID, and then along came 2020, and uh, I, I jokingly said with our employees, it's kind of like 2020 said, here, hold my beer, watch this, we're gonna have uh, 2020 in terms of COVID, the flood, and then the follow-up with FEMA. Uh, but the reality of it is it has been a challenging year, uh, both in terms of the budget challenges, and you're going to hear about some of those tonight, but also in terms of the practicality of staff putting together the budget for you this year. And you're all aware of it. You've heard it before, but I would like to just publicly thank uh, Dave, Estine, we have Deanna and Tiffany here with us this evening, uh, but also all of the other department heads uh, which, who are all joining us, I should say, by Zoom uh, via the links tonight. Um, they've all had challenges, they've all had different uh, issues presented to them over the course of the year, and they've all risen to the occasion in terms of getting the information together. And then this team largely here, as well as others in the finance department, uh, have certainly worked uh, well above and beyond what we typically ask of them um, and should be asking of them, frankly, uh, in order to pull it together for tonight. So first of all, to staff, thank you, and to council for the help and the assistance and the understanding as we move forward, thank you as well. Um, we did anticipate, as I said, a tough budget, um, and in fact, this is a tough budget one uh, again. Um, we have placed an emphasis in this document as we go forward, and as you'll see presented to you by Mr. Keene, it says predominantly on maintaining the service levels, which was one of the directives that he provided to us. Um, we've also been addressing through the proposals that are before you and will be presented to you some of the most uh, face. Those are predominantly in the areas of water, wastewater, um, and to a degree in our engineering department. Um, staffing and succession planning has been a focus of council since you hired me and I think every year we talk about this um, and indicated that there's a need to make sure that we prepare properly for that and again this year you're starting to see the results of the, the reviews that have been completed and processes and staffing levels put in place to allow us to respond to that not only this year but in the coming years as some of our key 
like the guy here to my left, that employees get close to that retirement age. Um, so what we are doing, uh, we believe, is presenting you with a budget that does reflect what you asked us to do in January at the council retreat. Uh, we think it balances the needs not only of this year, but of the future years that we're going to have challenges presented, some of which are simply unknown because we don't know, for instance, and Dave will talk a little bit about this, things like the FEMA response. We don't fully know what that will be. We don't know what some of the other challenges coming out of the continued COVID uh, challenges might be as well. But we provided, we believe, again, a budget that will allow us to address those moving forward. So um, with that, um, this will be, as it always is, a lengthy evening, and that's okay because there's a lot of detail, but it is a very high level. Um, and it's intended to give you an opportunity to provide and ask questions to us, uh, be able to explain further what he would hope to get back from you tonight. Um, and then after tonight, we'll start rolling into the budget public meetings, which will start next Monday, and there'll be a second one after that before we get to the adoption in, in May. So with that, Madam Mayor, I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Keenan and let him walk you through the presentation. Sounds great. Well, welcome. Uh, as Brad said, this is potentially going to be a long night. And um, if I have to talk loud for a mask, it be a challenging night to do. Um, so the budget book that's uh, the PDF file that you all were given is very similar to what you've seen in the past. As you go through, you know, we don't hit you with a ton of detail down the line items, things of that nature. It's a lot of, of higher level uh, but very thorough presentation of what the expenses and revenues are uh, for the city. My presentation is going to, I guess, uh, sort of emulate that, mirror that. I won't get into a lot of detail about what certain things might cost. My hope is since you all have been through this once already, um, at least one time, um, that the budget is very similar to in the past. My hope is to compare the city situation today as to what it was a year ago when we established village rates and water rates and all that kind of stuff. And if there's anything that has changed, I would hope to bring that to your attention and then hit some of the highlights and some of the challenges that we're, we're facing within various departments um, within the city. If you're going through and you have questions that uh, you think you really need the answer tonight, by all means, bring it forward. Uh, we're happy. I say we, <laughs> we are happy to try to uh, respond to some of those, but if it's just, uh, you know, I'm wondering why this is, um, you know, you can send me an email as well. I'm going to be struggling with this stupid mask all night, so I apologize currently and ongoing. Um, and then we'll do our best to respond. So what tonight is going to look like is uh, I'm going to go over the budget meeting schedule. I'm going to talk about the goals and directives. And again, you're familiar with these, but for anybody who's tuning in, I think it's important to at least go through those. I'm going to explain what's not in the budget, or at least not yet in the budget, because there's still time before the end of the year, and there's some fairly significant information and things that are going to come to our attention, and uh, we will have time to respond to that. Then I'll get into what is in the budget at the highlight level, focusing first on the general fund and at the department level. Then uh, I'll branch away and talk about all the other funds that have have uh, budgets established, and then I'm going to be quiet, and probably Brad will do an appropriate transition segue uh, into your time, uh, so that you can ask questions, give us feedback, etc. My hope after tonight is that if we didn't get it right, um, you will let us know those areas that we did not get it right, so that we still have time to make changes. Um, and I will say that the, the earlier the better, because it's, um, you know, there's a fair amount of going through 
making the changes and getting the documents all straight and everything so that we have plenty of time. So uh, that's my hope. So like a plan? <laughs> all right. So here's the schedule you've all seen. The good news is we're one step closer. The bad news is that is a big step. Uh, I'll do my best to try to keep you from dozing off, but at the end of the day, it is budget, it is finance. What can I say? Uh, starting next Monday, we have the first public hearing, and then on May 10th, we have the second public hearing. As a reminder, we really only need to have one by city charter. Since I've been here and years before, I'm sure we always do two. It's just more more time for public to provide input. Uh, the budget adoption will be on the, the, the scheduled date of May 24th, hopefully. Uh, and that is the fourth Monday in May, which is the charter mandated date. And then that budget will take effect July 1st of 2021. So as I go through these slides, you'll notice I have page numbers up here. Um, you may or may not want to follow along. It's, you certainly don't have to, um, but if you want to, you know, the question is, where is Dave? This is going to bug me because I think, is there a way to, uh, probably not. Um, so when I refer to a page number, it's not the budget book page number, it's the file page number because they're not the same. So just so you know. Um, okay, so what you won't see in this budget. Well, first of all, dam failure flood activity is largely excluded and partly, uh, mostly because of timing. If you recall, we had we had um, adopted the budget last year, um, and then the flood hit. And so we came in after and amended last year's budget, but the adopted budget itself didn't include any activity related to the flood. Well, then we went through a whole year, and the majority of the flood costs, at least everything that I'm aware of, has been put into what will be the amended uh, budget for the current year, which we'll talk about next week in a separate public hearing. Um, so what I can tell you, is that it's not included in the 1920 uh, adopted or the 2021-22 uh, recommended. However, just to kind of go over this stuff, there's about $8 million that, that I'm aware of at this point in costs. The number could be higher because there's some significant items that are still going out to bid. Um, from that, we have about a million dollars that will recover certain costs and then we had anticipated FEMA paying 75% of what was left. Um, I think I alerted you to this last week that the dance had begun and it's it's progressing. Um, and unfortunately, I believe there's going to be situations where we're just not going to prevail and FEMA is going to uh, be able to limit the amount of, of expenses in certain, and it relates basically to buildings in the flood zone. And so what I did, and I guess the preface of this meeting, is I took a look at the schedule of losses, and I took a look at the position that they're taking on certain things. And based upon that, I estimated what I thought that they were probably going to argue that these should not be included. And then I looked at the other items that we have out on the list and, and applied it back to that. Came up with about $2 million, so 75% of that would be 1.6-ish. So my point telling you that it's not an exact science, um, Councilman Brown-Rohelm asked me last week for a number, and I thought, hmm, I should at least try to estimate something just to give you an idea of what I think the magnitude could be. Um, so certainly that is not in the budget, but we do have an opportunity to, um, if we have a firmer idea what that is, to use some unbudgeted personal property tax proceeds that will come in in May 
if we want to help offset that. That would help keep the budget for the city kind of on track um, and then deal with this without hindering the service delivery or any of the other initiatives that we have going right now. But Dave, isn't this all part of the current year's budget as opposed to the proposed budget? Yes. All these expenses? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just, I don't want you to think I'm just ignoring this stuff because when I go through, you're not going to hear much about the flood once I start kicking off and getting into the budget. Uh, so it's out there. You will likely see me again on a budget related matter. Um, you'll also see I have certain items come through uh, for the construction of the library and um, construction of Riverside and the purchase of kitchen equipment, things like that. Those are all going to be coming your way before the end of the year. Um, but this is a separate item that at some point we'll have to deal with. And, and yes, it would be in the current year budget. Okay, uh, disaster revenue loss. So I've, I've highlighted a couple of different, actually four different uh, operations that we have that sustain significant revenue losses, whether it's from COVID or whether it's from the flood. Uh, Riverside Place is, I'm guessing, almost exclusively flood-related. Civic Arena is exclusively COVID-related. Um, the golf course was fortunate enough to have the impacts of both um, and was Parks and Recreation. So again, this would be something that it's a separate action I have not made any assumption that you're going to want to do this or you're going to want to do that. This is a conversation that we can have um, when there becomes funding um, accessible or available to this. Now, I'm, I'm talking about the American Rescue Plan funds. Um, I said it on a meeting today, hoping there would be some more information when it got to the point where they said, well, we really don't, just, I don't know. They really don't know anymore than we did. And uh, the, the, the rules themselves aren't going to be further explained for until weeks to come. And so at that point, I sort of tuned out. Um, but that would be an area that we could use some of these funds for. How far we could reach with those funds, I'm not sure. Perhaps we could use those funds to restore the general fund in certain areas, which would then free up other funds to be used. Again, this is a, these are areas that at some point we're going to have to deal with, whether we decide to do it now uh, or we leave it up to the operations themselves and basically leave them in a disadvantaged situation for multiple years while they try to come back. I did not presume, I can make a recommendation, but I did not presume or take a position on this. This will be a conversation we'll have to have later. Uh, sewer infrastructure project is largely, largely excluded. Um, so in preparation for this, the, um, the, the capital plans that you see don't include any of the $49.5 million. Um, I'm sure there's some things in the wastewater and stormwater operations that would benefit this, but by and large, they do some of that stuff every year anyway. So those types of normal operation things are still included. It's the bigger items that are specific to flood response. So at such point, when we have the funding, uh, we at least have a definitive plan on the funding mechanism, uh, we would be able to come back and, and do a budget amendment to get the capital and the funding in prospective budgets so we can move forward. So moving on to what is in the budget. So the budget was established for the three goals that you all are, are familiar with, um, and for folks at home who aren't familiar with these, and our goal is to provide a wonderful life for the folks in the middle of the community. Um, we do that by taking care of our community, and we do that by putting plans in place that we can repeat year after year after year so that they're economically sustainable. Um, so that's essentially what we think the budget does. It puts us in a position to move forward. 
Beyond that, there were some specific directives. Uh, maintain public services at the highest level. There's no reductions uh, in, in the budget. Uh, actually, as, as Brad alluded to, we are looking very seriously at our staffing levels and how we can continue to main, maintain the level of services that we have. And so a lot of these have to do uh, with doing so in the light of um, increased regulation and conversations that we had probably well over a year ago that some of the some of the reductions that were put in in response to the economic recession, um, some were great and they're still great. Some were good short term, but we're starting to pull apart at the seams and we're, we're very aware of that. And some of those things that we're gonna talk about relate to that. Additional funding, council was interested in putting more money in the stormwater and more money in the wastewater. And so we've included both of those. Uh, uh, increase of 100,000 per storm, bringing it to 1.1 and a half million increase to uh, transfer wastewater, bringing it up to a million dollars. Maintain the millage rate at the same amount. Uh, this is the current year millage we have. This is the proposed millage. You notice that there are some changes. Uh, we had the benefit of putting a little more funding in last year in the police and fire pension and have a, having a very good year uh, in the stock market, which I wouldn't have thought that early on, but it turned out well. So that essentially means that the required amount that we have um, to meet our goal is less, less taxes. Plus, we did have a bit of an uptick in our taxable value. And so if you're trying to get a constant amount, the higher the taxable value is, the lower the millage rate can be to get to that same goal. Long story short, we tweaked these. Um, this is the last year of the debt millage. And so we moved all that up to operating to fulfill our obligations and leave the millage rate the same. This is simply a page in the budget book. Um, it's actually a pretty good page. It explains to the reader what each of the different types of millages are that we have. And then it gives a history, uh, the multiple year history of what the millages have been. So if you're looking at this for the first time, hopefully this would give somebody an idea of what, what taxes are paying and what the money is for. Um, providing additional funding towards unfunded uh, retiree benefits. So we've got, we've got some ARC numbers here. Uh, OPEP is 5.1, uh, the 345 is 3,083,000, and then MERS is 6.6 .6 million. The proposed funding, and it's included in the budget, is the numbers below there, you can see 5.8 million, 3.3, and seven. So the ARCs would add up to just under 15 mils, but we're budgeted to put it in 16.1. Yeah, this guy, Ted, do another single bar. Super bar, nice, okay, thank you. Um, so looking at the three plans, we've got, there's two, two components when you're looking at, a, a, these are called defined benefit pension plans. There's two components to the cost structure. The first is called normal cost, and, and essentially that's how much, if I work for another year, how much is this benefit gonna cost the city? And that's the normal cost. You can see that for all of these plans combined, we're really, employees are only earning about $2.6 million worth of additional benefits. The other part is the unfunded liability, which is benefits that have already been earned by employees. And at some point there might've been funding available or not, but currently these benefits are not funded. And so we are required to make additional payments to pay off those unfunded liabilities. And that's 12.2 million. So 
We're putting in 16.1. Out of that, about 2.6 would pay for new benefits we earn next year. The balance would be going towards unfunded liabilities. Some of them are required by actuary, some of them uh, were approved by council. If you take the three plans and look at them collectively, our unfunded liabilities is about $138 million, and we're about 60% funded overall. Between the three plans, you can see we're at 76 for the police fire pension, MERS, and retired health care about at 54. And again, within the budget document, here's a, a kind of a nice little page that explains the different, the three different plans and what we've done to try to mitigate some of this and then uh, referring to the funded status and then the unfunded liability amount. So finally, uh, maintain unrestricted general fund balance of six million. So the budget document, if you look at the end of next year, 6-30-2022, we're planning on the $6 million on reserve plus $7.9 million for the budget stabilization, which is about $2 million higher than what's going into the budget process. So the overall city budget is 102.6 million. The year that we're currently in, so the budget that you all adopted a year ago was 104.5. So we actually went down about $1.9 million. And here are some of the bigger indicators or bigger reasons for that. And honestly, it's a lot of it is, is timing. Uh, for example, if you look at the landfill, it's going down significantly, but that's because the current year budget has got a bunch of money in there to pay for the cell development. And that's, that's a huge investment. And so that's not something we're gonna have in next year's budget. So comparatively speaking, it went down. Uh, the water fund went up because we're spending more on capital. Uh, the wastewater fund went down because they're paying off their bonds uh, and they have less capital. Stores, $628,000. We're replacing the fuel island at the municipal service center. So all the city vehicles, they go back there and they fill up as they go out and do their routes. Uh, we're replacing that in the in the current year. So they're actually the 21-22 year. Stormwater, we're spending more on capital. So the Brownsfield Fund is a brand new fund. Um, I'll try to keep this brief, but we have Brownfields. You're familiar with the stadium district, uh, the downtown Brownfield. We talked a year ago about the Sheen's new development for the Middleton News Building. We used to account for those through the, the undistributed tax fund. Money would come in, we pay it back out. We need to set up a special revenue fund to account for that. Um, and now is the time to do it because again, it's implementing some new accounting standards and we're gonna be working on a new chart of accounts. So it, it just kind of shows up. It's no longer a netted number, it's an in and an out as a revenue expense. Uh, Riverside Place um, is, is, is way less. Um, there was money we had in capital that those items were further destroyed by the flood. So we're we move those into the flood bucket, hoping to get them to pay for three quarters of the replacement of those. Uh, DDA is up. Uh, they're spending more on capital. Uh, they're also, um, they are now the, they are the fund who provides support as needed to the downtown parking since the, the benefit of that is a complete overlap. Um, they've also done some Stafford organizations to increase their expenses. Major local streets up by 400,000, uh, more capital between the two. Homeland Security, and when you see the when you see the chart near the end of this, this will make more sense. Um, but so we, we are the fiduciary and we essentially help manage 
uh, annual grant from Homeland Security. And right now we have three, we have three grants that are outstanding, open, have not been fully spent yet. Um, and those monies have to be spent before new grant proceeds are spent. So essentially all that unspent money sitting in the current year, what we will do is we'll encumber forward into next year's budget at the end of the year. And then at such time that grant actually becomes available, then we would include it uh, in the budget, knowing that we won't probably be spending that money for, uh, it could be a whole other year. So that'll make more sense when you see. And then every other, every other fund we have is 22 of them, uh, is a net reduction of 442. So that's how we get from one number to the next. So all debt, as always, is, is included in here, which includes the second to last year of our judgment bond, which is about 1.56 million. So that's good. So we'll pay that out. We got one more year after that, and then that frees up three quarters of the mill, essentially the general fund. Utility rates, four percent water, three percent sewer, um, and then we continue to have folks retiring over the next well this year and then three years out. You can see here the number of people uh, that are eligible. They may or may not go at that time, but they're certainly eligible. So we try to put money aside. Uh, so when that happens, we don't have to do funny things with the budget. So I talked about staffing solutions. Um, so before going into this, I know Mr. K had conversations with you about you know, what I kind of repeated earlier. We had a lot of budget cuts. Uh, we had staffing eliminations, but it's starting to take its toll. So we really need to think about strategically maybe replenishing some of the staffing. So we have that. Well, then you throw a pandemic and you throw a flood on top of that. And then you have folks like our city engineer and wastewater services positions that have been vacant for several months. Um, and we're having, honestly, we're trying the traditional methods to, to fill these positions as they are in our hierarchy. But, you know, we're not the only one restaurants are closing because they can't get people to come in and work. We can't find folks to fill these positions. So we're going to have to try to get creative because we have to continue to provide that service. And especially in those two positions, the, the stakes are even higher with the amount of money that we're going to be planning on spending very soon on these infrastructure improvements. Uh, we had an assistant EPS director who retired in March, uh, library maintenance coordinator retired in June, and these were all vacant. Uh, eagle requirements for waterline service inspections. That's actually, what you call that? Lead, right? Lead and copper. So we're gonna have to hire people to bring on staff so that we can look at 5,000 lines to comply with the state law. And then there's other eagle requirements in addition to that that are hitting the wastewater plant that we have to be very aware of and responsive to. Uh, we, have, we have a lot of buildings. We've talked about this. We have a lot of buildings. We really have no building management expertise on staff. Uh, we didn't, we do now. And we also terminated our contract management at the airport, which you heard from our HR director, Carol Stone about. So the solutions that we have that are built into the 21-22 budget is a position for an assistant city manager. The plan here would be to provide some engineering oversight, uh, to provide some leadership, some department head leadership at, at, for the engineering department, and then provide also support for the city manager um, I don't know if you want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So the city manager's position used to be like four full-time people. Now it's like one and a half. And I know we've gotten better and smarter about how we do things, but I, I, I don't know that we've done it to that extent. And I can tell you from the 
three or four months that I was there, there's a lot to do in that job. Um, so having said that, this person will have plenty of work to keep them busy. Uh, facilities manager. So this will take care of the needs that we have in the library as well as essentially all the buildings. Um, again, I don't want to hate to tell somebody's accolades, but Tyler's doing wonderful things for us. And we've hired part-time people at the airport to replace what was previously contracted for. Uh, so this gets a little bit interesting. So we have we have a wastewater fund without a director, essentially. Um, we've not very, been very successful in filling it. We haven't been successful at all. We have a very competent water superintendent. Um, and so there's a plan to sort of have him provide oversight for the water and the wastewater. So we could get that department head of leadership that, that engineering know-how, um, but for us to be able to do that, we have to bring in some other people below him to provide kind of second tier or even higher uh, leadership skills. And so what, what we have is a water superintendent, one for the water, and then a wastewater superintendent. So there'd be two there that would provide the supervisor support for each of those, um, not only to help fill the position for the wastewater side, but to help you with all these evil regulatory requirements we have coming our way. And I will tell you that it's, it's my belief that the budget and the water fund, the wastewater fund, are probably high if you look at personal services, because if this plan works, I don't think we're gonna be spending all that money on personnel. But what it does do is it gives us some flexibility to, to try this. And if, you know, if the world-class Waste, wastewater uh, manager having to walk through the door, we'd still be in a position to, to fill that position. Uh, we have, that hasn't been our experience. So we have plenty of budget in the books to handle this. It does give us quite a bit of flexibility in terms of trying different things so that we can keep this process moving forward. And I mentioned before about the lead and copper, we've brought two additional people or two positions on board uh, so that we can begin that process uh, and meet it within the required deadlines, which we've got a lot more years. Four, three and a half. Three and a half. So it's getting serious. Um, the assistant DPS director. So what Karen has done, um, Karen has been, she's in a quest to find the, the right staffing and get people charged to the right departments, which we'll talk about a little bit as I go through this. Uh, but she created a public services manager position. She took her recreation manager and converted that person into the assistant DPS director. Um, so it's a one-for-one one exchange. And then she created a, a DART manager position because Jane Jurgens, who filled this, had her hands involved in all that stuff. It's one of those, somebody's been here a very long time, now they're not. And so we have to figure out a way to, to deal with all those. And so she was, she's done that. Um, adequate funding is included in the budgets to provide flexibility for the proper strategy um, should be as determined. But So, all right, I'm gonna move on. We got a lot. So when we met in uh, January, I kind of went through this scenario, and at that point, I got down to a number here of 3.1 million. That would consider our, our structural deficit and all the things that I thought we would have access to to be able to cover that. And then from that, you said, "Okay, that's cool, David, but I want to give a couple, I want to give money to two different funds," and so I'm backing that out. So when I walked out of the room, my net uh, goal was to come up with about 2.5 extra fund balance. So 
What I have, if you look at the budget book, is 2.1, but there's an item that I had included up here that I have not included, and that's the May PPT. Uh, that's not included in the budget. That's 2.3, almost 2.4 million. So we will be getting that in May. Um, that is a, a better number than what I had back in January. Uh, it's still, it's an estimate because I'm looking at how much money they have available and guessing at what the other communities are going to have as it impacts because that portion is allocated. It's not ours based on formula, which is easier to predict. So that really puts us at about four and a half million dollars once that money comes in. So we're just a little bit ahead, um, which we typically are because when I go through, I'm able to find things as I review the budget. And hopefully I can bring you something in a better position. So that's what we're looking at uh, for the current year. So my goal here is I'm just going to go until you guys wave a white flag or need <laughs> something, a question, because it's already 630. I'm just getting started, so I'm going to keep rolling here. Uh, so what this is, this is a comparison of different types of property values for 19, 20, and 21. And it's broken down by residential, commercial, industrial, and real and personal. And you can see there was a slight slip from uh, the prior year, 2020, to 2021 of about $5.3 million. Now, that's just the beginning of what I do to come up with what's our net taxable value. So if you take these two numbers and carry them forward, you go through, then you have to add those REN zones that are being phased out. Um, you have to add IFT role, which is a completely separate role from the regular role, which I just showed you. And then we have to back out the TIPS, um, which is a DEA, there's two DEAs actually, um, one DEA, but they have two different districts, two smart zones, Center City Authority, and then the Brownfield. Um, so then you get a net taxable amount, and if you compare that to a year ago when we went through this process, it's about a 2% increase. And so a 2% increase in taxable value means the millage rate unchanged will work harder for you because it's going to generate more revenue. So overall, pie chart distributing the general fund revenue. Uh, this is, you see this every year. 66% of the revenue is going from property taxes and related. No surprise there. Going around the horn, we've got other charges, which include overhead contributions, traffic bureau, airport, and then transfers in, which there aren't many. Uh, uses emission charges at about $300,000. Covers these, mostly recreation, parks and recreation. Charges for services involve these particular departments, and it's almost $3.2 million. Intergovernmental revenue, the two biggies is state revenue sharing. Um, these two, either actually we probably should change that to now be CBTRS, if you change the name from it was statutory revenue sharing, then it was EVIP, and now it's CBTRS, but it's essentially the same thing. Liquor licenses and PPT. PPT is about 6.6 .6 million. So PPT and revenue sharing make up the biggest part of that number. And then license and permits. And that finishes the loop. Dave, do these uh, numbers, the revenue numbers, sort of harken back to pre-COVID activity? Not quite. So we are 
we are budgeting for somewhat of a recovery, but I can tell you in certain places like Plymouth Pool, it's going to be a rough year. You know, we have to, we can't, I don't think we can have more than 50% occupancy at any given time. Um, and so it's a little like, interesting, interesting question. So a year ago, after we had the first meeting, we amended our expectations because of COVID. And we rolled back state share revenue. We rolled back some of the um, like gas weight tax. Those funds, yeah, there was a bit of a dip, but not near what was projected. And because we had rolled our budget back quite a bit, we actually got more than we budgeted for in certain instances. So moving forward, state share revenue, for example, I'm not, I'm not buying the state's uh, projections fully. They're expecting money to come in quite a bit higher. I don't, I didn't budget for that. I budgeted just a slight increase compared to where we were budgeted last year, but certainly not uh, not a situation where we're free and clear of uh, the impacts of COVID. So, uh, additional property tax revenue, I will just uh, refer to, well, two things, the 2% increase in the tax value plus because of shuffling the village rates around a little bit, it bounces up to operating, which comes into the general fund. License and permits. Um, the reductions from COVID-19 never really happened because of the flood. I mentioned this before, those guys, that department's still busy, but it was really busy uh, all summer and fall and winter. Uh, we had a little bit of an increase in PPG reimbursement, which is expected, and then a state revenue sharing of uh, 159. So charges for services, not a lot of big movements here. Uh, our, our state, our state, our school resource officer reimbursements are gonna go down a little bit because our expenses are going down. It's a, a dollar for dollar match. Um, just a little bit of an uptick on uh, yards, waste stickers, fire inspections are down a little bit and administrative allocation is up. Administrative allocation is we take all the general government functions that support every other function within the city and we've got a cost allocation plan where we, we spread those costs to all the other departments. Um, the net shows up under charges for services. That's probably about two thirds of that amount, maybe not quite that much, uh, but that went up probably the majority of this information looking at. Uh, so we've got a little bit of an uptick in picnic shelter rental, uh, recreation programs and softball because we rolled them back quite a bit last year. So we're expecting somewhat of recovery, but, but not unencumbered recovery. And then we had a drop in winter programs and then the full revenue is down 32% is expected to be. Uh, investment earnings. So you all know I can't go to the stock market with our money. I, I can't come back to the taxpayers and say, well, we had, kind of had a good thing going, but now then there was a dip in the market and we lost it all. So I'm gonna have to send you another tax bill. We, we can't do that. And the law is very clear about certain things that we can invest in. And they're very conservative, low risk, and those are painfully low right now, the interest rates. And so hopefully they'll come back up fairly soon, but there's really no indication that that's going to happen. So we're, you know, this is a quantum jump from where I was. It is, it's more than I expected even back in January, but I, I'm just being safe. And, you know, this is an area that I would love the market to outperform, but we're prepared if it doesn't. Uh, so other, uh, election reimbursement is down. We're not going to have a lot of elections this upcoming 
year, so they won't be giving reimbursements. Uh, the PDA, this is a bit confusing, but we used to leave all the costs of the DDA staff in the DDA, I'm sorry, in external departments, and then we would just send the DDA bill. So what we're doing now is we're having employees charge their time there directly. And so you see a dip in the revenue because we're not billing them now, but you also see a dip in the expense because their costs are going right to the different costs. And that's what's going on here. Um, engineering deposits is an increase. Again, I, I think I mentioned this last week, but I, I came to you mid-year and asked you to approve engineering deposits because we had some subdivisions that were being developed which required our engineering's time. And so the engineering department's taking a look at the things that they see out there and basically saying, we need more. If we put them in now, we won't have to come back and ask for it later. So that's a bit of an increase there. Uh, special assessment on interest. The interest on the receivables that people pay us on special assessment projects, plus any investment earnings that that, uh, that, that fund earns gets transferred to the general fund. And that's, that's what you're seeing here. And for a couple reasons, investment interest is lower, but uh, also the special assessments that are being paid off is, is less than the lead. So overall, we've got about one and a half percent increase in total revenue. Moving on to the expenditures in the general fund. So this is, um, I have another chart that I'll go through after this, multiple charts, but this one breaks out the total $50 million by the type of expenditure. and. Um, I think you heard this percentage kicked around by John Lynch, by me, other people that we're a service organization, so 60% of what we spend is on people because that's what we do, which is still true. So 60% is personal services. Uh, we've got contingency at about 1%. All these are relatively low in percents in the two to three percent range, a little bit more in rentals because we've got some really big equipment in general fund that we have rent from the equipment revolving fund. Um, and then the transfers out, which I'll talk about when I get to that slide. So this is the same total, but it's just spread out by, by function, essentially. So starting with general government. So general government, again, this, this would be the areas that we look at these costs and we charge some of these costs out to the other departments, like, like human resources, okay? They support every single department in the city that has people. And so we go through that same analysis. This is general government, about 6.4 million, 13%. Public safety, same departments you're accustomed to seeing. Always the largest part of our budget at 41%, almost 21 million. Uh, public services, which starts with engineering and includes these departments that you see all the way down to sidewalk engineering and maintenance. It's just under 3 million or 6%. Sanitation, just over 4 million or 8%. And parks and recreation, 13%. Other functions, which is an odd title, but um, it includes these. The airport, tax appeals, and then a miscellaneous category. The, the biggest items are the, in there are payments to the townships for uh, uh, annexation agreements for revenue sharing, economic development for Midlands Business Alliance, and then the additional funding you all allowed me to put in the budget to give to MERS, throws there. Um, see, I, I outlined. So I, I get this yellow as the standard color for the pie chart, knowing it's gonna be really hard to see. Yeah, 
after I take this chart and I copy it like 10 times in here, someone brings to my attention that they really can't see that very well. I didn't want to go back and change all these slides, so I, I kind of outlined it. So okay. Is it better? Okay. So capital projects, um, this is never really that big, year in and year out. It's slightly higher than last year because we increase engineering deposits, but it's about 1%. And it covers these items here. This is not capital purchases. So if you wanted to buy a new car, that would show up in the department for which it's being purchased for. These are projects. And then contingency, uh, we historically, as long as I can remember, we've been putting 400,000 in there uh, to provide the city managers some ability to deal with things that come up, um, up to certain thresholds without having to come back to you um, every time. Thankfully, all my city managers that I work for are relatively cheap, and they don't go to that a whole lot. So we have quite a bit left over by year. Transfers out, again, this is funds that are leaving the city, they're leaving the general fund. Um, we really don't intend to get these monies back. The exception is a library and dollar ride. The intent is not there, but the reality is we typically do, especially the library, we get a very large portion of that back at year end uh, when we adjust the total expenses and determine what their total needs are. So lining them up this way, 48 million to 50 million is 1.8 million dollar increase or 3.81. And you can see the, the percent change and the dollar change. And I'm gonna go through each department right now. So the first one is general government. It was very, it was at FICA, $18 or something, workers comp. Of part of the day, maybe we accrue payroll based on the day. Essentially, it's the same, but we are specific. So it's $18 more than last year. Um, okay, so city manager is up. Again, we're adding, uh, we're adding a whole new position there, which will probably be stay there. Um, at this point, it gives us a flexibility to, to leave the charge for that position there. The elections is. Uh, down, and my comment is see, see the clerk's budget. So basically the folks are working in the clerk's office instead of charging the time to elections for next year. Finance, there were some staffing changes. Um, I think we're net down a half, like a, a half of a, a one, a one part-timer, one part-timer. But this realigning um, of the, the level of people that are in there, which will provide some savings. We've got some contract services and tuition uh, that is gonna be less next year. And just a reminder, because we're the fiduciary for the Region 3 Homeland Security Grant, we can, if we can document, justify, we can get reimbursed for some of these costs. And right now we're expecting that to be about 45,000 for administration. Um, assessing, so this again is kind of a timing thing. The year that we're in, they, they bought them all iPads, which is working really well. Um, they had a their separation pay in the budget for this year. It won't be a next year. Um, and this is earth catch-up. What that means is it was a vehicle that was up for replacement, but we had not put in enough money at that time to pay for it. And so what I instituted a few years ago is, okay, you'll get your car, but you're gonna have to come up with the additional funding because the earth is not gonna take it on the chin in these situations, um, which it had been doing year after year. And that's a story for when we get to the earth, but that was in this year and not next year. So you can see, and more importantly, um, we were able to reduce the amount we're paying for a contract level before next year. So the net decrease in assessing. City attorney, really business as usual there. A very small increase um, from one year to the next. 
Uh, clerk, so minimal election activity, so we're fully staffed in the clerk's office right now. We're still doing some work on elections, but it's more maintenance and planning and preparation. It's not holding the actual elections themselves. HR, uh, there's revenue or there's uh, retirement payouts in the current year. Um, just a couple other notes that we, we chose Carol to be the keeper of all of our COVID supplies, so we put money in the current year budget to pay for that. Um, she was able to reduce her programming by about $12,000, so the net net was a reduction there. Police and fire admin, uh, lower labor costs allocated. Uh, what that means is people, no one is really home accounted in police and fire admin. It's the treasurer's office based on where she thinks she's going to be spending her time. She charges her time out or she prepares the budget as such. So she's anticipating spending less time there over the next year. So she's leaving more of her time in the treasurer's office and charging less to the PNF admin. Uh, the treasurer's office, again, going up, part of it is, is assuming some of those costs. Um, normal inflation. We've also got some retirement money in here, a payout for 21-22, and vacation buyback for the first time uh, in 21-22. City Hall is up 99,000. There's certain things that would go into that, but the biggest thing is the facilities manager, um, until the program gets up in a full swing, we're funding half of it through the City Hall account, and the other half through the library because they had that lead custodial building maintenance person position vacant. So we're using those funds to fund this program for the rest of the year that we're budgeting. Hopefully after that, we'll have a very um, well thought out building mechanism to all the departments who never uses those services. And community affairs, uh, it's down. Again, we're not leaving costs where they are and billing the DDA. We're just charging right to the DDA. So what that means is those costs never hit community affairs. Um, which is a reduction here. Okay, any questions on that before I move on? Yeah, no. Okay, so public safety, almost $21 million. These are departments, AFC. Let's start with uh, police. So all in all combined, uh, we've got an increase of about $65,000 for police, that entire function or less than 1%. You can see some decent sized subtractions and additions. Um, the top one here is we had we had some retirements, and so there's there is uh, payouts in the current year that are not going to be reoccurring next year. So that has the impact of reducing, comparatively speaking, next year's budget. The general service is lower because under the previous police chief, uh, we had put money in there to start a cadet program, really never never went anywhere. So the current police chief decided let's take those funds and redirect them towards the canine program. And so that will show up later, but what that does is it reduces the general services budget by about 30 grand. Uh, detective, pretty small change, but it's all labor related. Patrol, uh, looks like a big number, but it's less than 3% of the total. About one and a half increase is uh, for labor. Here's the canine program that I mentioned coming out of the books. And the earth, the, the uh, vehicle rental for the most part, thing about vehicles is when you replace them, they're always more expensive when the new ones come on board. And so then your rental to replace that one has to be higher. Um, so it's kind of a lengthy process, but those costs are going up for the police department. Uh, crossing guards, no changes anticipated there. 
And I mentioned earlier on the revenue side, we were bringing in less money on the school resource officer because we're spending less money on the school resource officer. Okay, but it's, it's a small point, but the crossing guards, yeah. I noticed in, in the information that was, you know, attached mm -hmm. for us to review, it showed it going up by four to 20, yeah. 16. It's not, that is a interesting. I, I didn't know if you'd catch that. <laughs> but um, I discovered that today and I asked the question and it was, well, that's really not what's happening. We are, um, there's really no change. So there was a communication breakdown in the process of getting the data from the departments and getting the books put together and all compiled. So the final version that you see when it comes out for uh, approval will show the same number on both okay. with a zero increase. Because I originally thought, okay, they're going to spread that. Because what we do sometimes, like the dial right, Sometimes they'll have more staff brought on, but they're only using the same number of hours. They just need more people, but they're not going to commit to providing you know, more coverage. That wasn't the case there. That was that was an oops. Okay. It's kind of scary that you caught that in the moment. I mean, you got barely into the review here. So you're reading. <laughs> I know you did. Good catch. So Dave, for the SRO, yes. um, is that due to virtual and kids being at home versus not being in school uh, and then secondly i think we had two special um villages for funding that are a few just one just one it's, it's, okay even when we added the two additional sros yeah. it was all at one and then when does that come up again soon we have a year i think okay yeah that's a county village yeah but, but you're right we we, we added two people yep. and we took the two people that were already at the schools put them together put them in that program yeah okay. so that's that's what that looks like and, okay. and we we charge the full value of those people even summer when there's no school the reason we have them on board is because to support that program so this is a pretty small uh did i jump ahead on that you know, it's a, it's a pretty small change. I, I, I honestly, I have to see. It could be equipment rental. I mean, it could be a number of things that went into that. But anyway, I don't know if that's okay. If you're, if you're cool. Yep. We can move on. All right. Okay. So, public safety, um, the fire side, we got about a 1.33% increase, 122,000. Similar situation, uh, we've got a decrease here, but we have a fire chief who's threatened to retire. We let him. Trying hard not to. <laughs> so there's some separation pay in the existing budget to pay for accumulated sick, vacation, all that kind of stuff, which we won't need next year. Uh, firefighting is up 196,000. Uh, we're spending $100,000 on driveways and cement for the stations. Um, so that's a big part of that. We don't do that every year. Um, if we do, it's, you know, that stuff typically comes to you because there's a grant tied to it or amending a budget, but this is included in the budget for adoption. Um, fire prevention, under a 2% increase, and it's all labor cost related. Uh, fire maintenance, about 3,700, and that's essentially additional equipment maintenance that they're foreseeing next year calibration and things like that of some of the equipment that they have. We've got a, a little reduction in training and that's uh, tuition reimbursement. 
and actually we don't, it went up. So it slightly went up because of tuition. And then the Homeland Security, uh, we break this out separate because it's tracking for the RT grant. Um, so those intent is all of these costs will re be reimbursed by that particular grant. Very small change there. And then uh, we've got these sirens all over that are basically maintained with this account. Um, if you go out a few years, you'll see a fairly big increase that's anticipated um, because we're going to have to do some serious maintenance work on these, uh, but not next year. The other part of public safety is building and planning. Um, interesting that you've got almost offsetting numbers here. It's not totally dollar for dollar, but they do impact each other. Uh, we have in the building department, we do have an increase. I mentioned those folks have been really busy and it's expected to continue for a little bit. So there's some overtime and things like that that we may not necessarily see on a regular basis. Um, and we have folks that are typically in the planning department have been charging time to, or you put this another way. We have, we had a retiree and then we, we moved some staff around to fill positions and the new expectation is that people that are in the planning department, one person particular will be spending at least half of his time helping support the building department, which was not the case before. And so what that basically shows is a reduction in planning that helps contribute to the increase in building. Um, plus, we help fund the master plan that you heard about um, in the year that we're in. So we have enough money, we think we didn't budget more for next year to help, help pay for that. On the public work side, um, you got some pretty big increases here. Uh, we've got some retirement pay coming up in uh, engineering and public works administration. They're in the current year budget. Uh, you've got the public works activity. It's essentially labor costs and equipment rental is driving it up. Uh, sidewalk maintenance, that's mostly capital. We're buying, we're proposing to buy. It's uh, it's not all that, but it's um, it's like a tractor that you can ride inside and you can clean an entire sidewalk at one pass because we have a ton of sidewalks in the city and we just can't keep up. So this this will really help um, achieve that. Public lighting. So public lighting is the street lights all over town. This is the energy bills for the most part. And we do have some labor up to spend out there. Um, pretty much the same as a year ago. A little bit of savings, but not a whole lot. And in traffic services, we had some retirement pay in the current year, but won't be in next year. Um, the labor itself was expected to be less as well as our rentals for next year. So that drove that down. So comparing one to one, you got almost a $300,000 increase or 11%. Sanitation, which includes these items at 4.2 million. I kind of look at this in total. Um, I start there anyway. And so if you combine all these, the, the net for providing all these services is about a $70,000 increase or about one and a half, 1.7%. So in, in the rubbish, it's, it's labor costs, it's less than 1%, but it's in the labor. Heavy refuse, it's the same thing. Um, curbside is actually a contract we have, so that's an increase, it's followed by contract, just over 3%. And then composting, uh, some labor, and some equipment maintenance, and some supplies uh, add up to that increase. 
Dave, how many years was that with our recycle contract? So uh, we had, if you recall, it expired, was it two years ago? And then they told us it was coming and they sent us all this literature and said, man, you guys are gonna get creamed because China doesn't want our garbage anymore and all this kind of stuff. And so we were planning for the worst. It, it went up, but it, it didn't look near what it was. And do you know, are we like at a five year? That would be a, a Karen question. Yeah. Is Karen, are you online? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Uh, yep. Can you answer that real quick? Yeah, it's a three year contract. And um, we did that because we weren't sure where the costs were going to go. And we didn't want to lock into something that was um, higher cost than it needed to be four or five years down the road. Um, so we started that contract in July. So we're, we got about two and a half years left on it. Thank you, Karen. That's pretty slick. Worked out well. And I've got a landfill question now if it applies here or someplace else. Well, we we haven't got to landfill yet, but well, okay. I'll ask it now because it's very open my mouth. The the landfill is operated by the city, and so we have you know the expenses of it. But it especially came up during the flood. We were taking we take in trash from the county. Is there, how is, how is the revenue, how do we, how do we get paid for kicking in that trash? Does it show up in some of the numbers you showed already in terms of services for that would be the services or is that would be tipping fees in the landfill? Now the flood was a bit different. Uh, we weren't charging tipping fees during that because, you know, if somebody wanted to bring their basement, drop it off, that was saved us from having to haul from their uh, curbside right away. So there was a period of time where we weren't charging tipping fees for basically that kind of debris removal. But if someone comes from the county, um, they have, me, me for example, um, if I go there, I get the same three free. And if, you know, if, I, if I go beyond that, I have to pay for my loan just like whomever else. So that would show up as revenue in the landfill. Okay. Yep. Um, parks and Recreation. At least for the rest of this year, we uh, stowed at 72 parks and 2,700 acres, $6.8 million. So um, this, this is a good example of some of my explanations in Karen's quest to try to get the people in the right departments where she thinks they're spending their time so that we can get a better uh, cost of what it is to provide these particular services. So you can see some negatives and positives but at the end of the day, we're again around ninety thousand dollars, or one point three percent increase. Uh, so there's reallocation of staff coming, coming out here. We've got people from softball that are getting moved to parks and to recreation. We've got winter programs that are being moved to parks, and then cemeteries being moved to parks. So if you look at the relationships here, you can see the big increase, the big decrease. Here's a decrease, uh, and the recreation is an increase. Now we've got some other things going on as well. We're still dealing with Emerald Ash Borer, and I, I don't know how long that's going to be going on, but uh, we have, I believe, $80,000 in the current year budget, which is 20000 higher than we had. I'm sorry, 80000 in the proposed, which is higher by about 20000 what we have in the current year. Um, we have separation pay, again, people retire, and then uh, an increase in the rental costs for forestry. So if you put all those together, that it's going to cover a big chunk of that. Um, in the 
Plymouth Pool, we've had uh, labor and utility increases uh, over last year. And um, the cemetery. So we've got turnover in staff. Whenever, whenever a longtime employee hires or retires and replaces with a less experienced person, they're usually less expensive. And that's one of the things we have going on at the cemetery. In addition to, we've got cemetery people charging their time to parks uh, instead of that, or more time being charged to parks that was formerly charged to the cemetery. So if you can follow all that at very poor explanation, um, again, we're using a lot of the same workforce and uh, similar equipment, but the net increase is about less than 1.5%, 1.3%. Um, coming out of the end of the general fund here, applause, 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 close to it anyway. So other, these are all pretty much unrelated items. So I can't do that here. Um, I can tell you the airport, we've got a $95,000 increase. Looks like a big thing, but it's, it's capital. And we're spending some money on capital items that was direly needed. Um, so that makes up the majority of that increase. A little bit of it is just payroll costs because we brought on, um, essentially four temporary people to manage the operations. Um, on projects, you see it's up a bit. That's engineering deposits for the most part, additional funding there. Um, miscellaneous is a, just a very small change and then there's no change at all in the tax budget or the reserve contingency. So here's the breakout of the construction, engineering deposit, sidewalk program, Planning, sidewalk planning, which is basically working on next year's sidewalk program before we actually have a program. Um, street light upgrades and then signage for the wayfinding. Transfers out, a big increase. Uh, I can point to two items. This was the uh, January authorization from council of a half a million for wastewater and then 100 pounds for storm. So, uh, Center City Authority. No change there. Uh, that is a department fund that is supposed to be funded by TIF capture, but until there's investment and appreciation of value, there will be no TIF capture. So this is really just to keep them going throughout the year. Um, the library. So this looks like a huge increase, and it, it sort of is, but in reality, three quarters of the money that funds the library, which is well over $4 million budget, comes from the general fund. And with the transfer to the library being the final number that is needed to balance that budget. So you're essentially taking all the increases of this four to four and a half million dollar budget that aren't covered elsewhere and dumping it into a single uh, line item, which is the transfer from the general fund to balance. So I can tell you historically, we've not had to do that. Uh, I don't, I can't remember a single year where we had to do more money than we had budgeted before. So, uh, dial ride, uh, increase of about $68,000. Similar situation, especially with the uh, additional funding they're getting. And then the next phase that's also coming through, um, hopefully that will help curtail some of those costs and take some of the pressure off the general fund. No change to the Civic Rainer Golf Course. Parking, uh, we used to give, we had given 15,000 over the past few years. That's stopping, and DDA is now going to assume that role. And then I've already mentioned this. So there's the change, 874, largely coming from two, three items. 
Okay. Can I keep going? Mm -hmm. God bless you. <laughs> hurry, hurry, hurry. I'm killing you. Keep rolling. Yeah. Uh, so the streets, this is the, the graphic from the budget. Basically tells the readers combined how much we spend on maintenance, how much we spend on snow, the volume, the makeup, etc. Uh, gas weight tax still a huge part in the, in the major streets, 51% of the total revenue. Um, in the local street, it's only 27%. But what we do is we take some of the major street money and give it to the local street because it's in dire need of it. We have reduced the budgets due to COVID-19. Um, we are actually tracking that budget, but we will continue to be conservative. Again, part of the reason we do that is because these funds are very healthy. Um, if we're in a different situation, we may have to push a little harder on these. Um, but the money's coming in okay right now. I mean, it, it is light than, than what it would have been otherwise, but um, we'll, we'll plan on that accordingly. The county road millage brings in about $4.2 million, and we're spending about 1.2 on snow and ice. Looking only at the major streets, I'll have to have Tiffany help me with these colors next year. Um, so the bottom row here is regular maintenance. Construction is the red. And then the, whatever this is, lime green thing, uh, is the money's transferred out. Most of that money is going over to the local street fund to help pay for their projects, either in the form of gifting down the Act 51 money or um, part of the county road millage that is collected. So you get some idea of what the annual numbers are year in and year out for the current year is adopted, what's being proposed in the two-year projections. Uh, we still expect to bring in more money every year here than we're spending. Um, and you'll see the impact that has on what's in the bank uh, a couple slides down. Looking at the local street, same color configuration here. Um, you can see construction, big year, a couple of smaller years, and a big year again plan. Maintenance is pretty consistent. Um, and it is pretty consistent year in and year out. So, not the same here, as I mentioned before, the revenue doesn't come in as robust as it does, primarily because we put all of the county road millage into the major street fund and take all we need to help fund projects. Uh, and you'll see the, the impact of, of this as well on the next slide, I think. Yeah. So this is the fund balance for major street and local street. We're expecting at the end of the year that's being presented we have just over 11 million in the major street and then 5.6 million in the local street. And as you go out, you can see um, unless we increase transfers from one to the other, which, which we could do, um, we'll have, we'll still have about $15 million combined, uh, but we'll have almost 13 in the major street and 3.1 in the local street. So I remember when I was the controller, I went up to Dave Foote uh, that's how long ago this conversation was. And I said, Dave, you guys are killing me. He said, at the end of the year, we're going to have like $300,000 in fund balance in the major street fund. We cannot do that ever again. And so we've come a long way since then. Of course, we have two millages in place now instead of one. The state is attempting to provide more uh, gas and weight tax, which they, you know, they have done for the most part. Um, so that all, all adds up, and we can only spend so much money so fast without totally 
shutting down the city. Um, so these funds, as I said, are, are, are very healthy. Uh, snow and ice, this just shows you when we adopt the budget, what we thought we would spend, what we actually spent. So at the end of the season, this, this is what's left over. I got scared one year back here. We were pretty close, and again down here. But they do a good job budgeting for this. We uh, we, accept, we plan on a, a pretty heavy snow season, um, and hopefully we don't we don't hit it. And we always end up on the right side of the equation over here. So uh, this is just a list of projects in the major street fund. These were part of the CIP the council approved. Uh, what was it? January. Well, February. February. Okay. Okay. Um, so there's no no surprises, no changes here. This is really a duplication from that schedule. And then on the local street, the same thing. Um, this is the new fund that I talked about. It's basically it's the Brownfield Redevelopment Financing Authority fund, and it's. It's tax capture coming in and then tax capture going back out again. It's a new fund. We've got one active brownfield right now, and that's the uh, downtown brownfield, and then there's one in development, which is uh, Midland Daily News Building. The Smart Zone Fund, this was, this fund's probably what, five, six years old now. This activity is administered by the Midland Business Alliance. Uh, we established a TIF back in 2013. Uh, there's actually two districts. There's an 11 acre district that they capture all of city taxes except debt. But the only problem there is they, they established the TIF, established the base years, and they went in and tore down a bunch of buildings. And so the current year value there is, is been below the base year every year. So there's been no tax capture. What they do bring in, though, is half of the SCT on the rest of the district, which is pretty significant. It covers a large part of the city. So that's the revenue stream that you see coming in there. And it's actually improving because the stadium district, just to remind you all, um, they used to capture all of the SCT. Um, but because they're paid, meaning the developers recover all of its costs, um, that frees up that portion to be captured by other entities. And so that's the smart zone capturing have the SCT. Uh, Center City Authority, uh, very similar to the first smart zone TIF district. Uh, we just need some investments and appreciation of value so there can be some TIF captures going on. Uh, Stormwater 1.8, this is actually a, kind of turned into a, a pretty important fund, um, jointly managed by wastewater engineer, public services and engineering. So what I'm showing you here is this is the, the summary of the total revenue, total expenditures for what's being proposed, and then the two projected years moving out. The change, and then the expected fund balance at the end of each of those years. So they're planning to have a little bit of capital that they're spending, um, which you know is good. As you can see, it's draining down their fund balance by the end of the third year. Not as much as we've seen in the past, um, primarily because it's getting discounts from the general fund. And then here's the capital schedule. Uh, again, that was part of the CIP. Hey, Dave, I'm trying to understand it. We just talked about increasing the 
the stormwater fund by hundred thousand one point one million to a total revenue of one point four four five. Yep. Where's the extra how's the extra to three hundred some thousand coming from? So here's what happens. There's road stride, roadside drainage that um, is basically taken care of in Major Street Fund and the local street fund. And because it's reportable for uh, Act 51 reports, we initially account for it there so that we can capture that data for our reports and if we get audited and all that kind of good stuff. But at the end of the day, that's really stormwater management activities. And so we do, then we do an entry, of course, we're comps. We do an entry to remove it from that fund and put it over into here. And when we bring the expense over, we have to bring the revenue over as well because the major street paid for it and the local street paid for it. So that shows up as revenue and an outstanding expense in the stormwater management funds. So that on top of the uh, the transfers in from the general fund you're talking about is going to make up the majority of that. Nothing can be easy to clear. Uh, so the, the library fund, so the general fund um, as mentioned before, provides kind of the, the final number to balance the budget, and typically revenues equal expenses, unless there's some spending that's going to be taken out of uh, unspent donor money. And we, we had not had that until, I think, 2018, when we received some money from the Grace Adele and the Heritage and Grace Adele Foundation to pay for flood uh, remediation and we didn't end up needing the money but they didn't want it back so we, we put it in the fund balance and pay for capital all kinds of stuff so when we when we have capital we code to that you will see items like this so we're actually drawing down on those donations those reserved dollars uh, with the with the plan that we have and so what the capital looks like for the upcoming year is parking lot and then an exterior book drop CDBG fund. I think you guys just saw this last week, didn't you? I think, right? Yeah. Yes. So you guys have like, you approved their budget individually or separate from this process, but it's included in this process as well. It's a federal program. You're aware of that. One thing I, I will say about this is, you know, my mantra in the past was, this is a, a loser in terms of how much time we have to spend monitoring it. But I'll tell you, Grant and his team, they've taken a different approach to, you know, rather than having 72 different subrecipients for a certain amount of money, they have a, it's like less than 10, I think. And so fewer subrecipients to monitor, less labor intensive, less time. So they've, they've kind of figured out a way to strategically still get money and not have to spend quite as much time administering it. But I think it's probably still leaning towards being a bit of a loser administratively. Um, so this is interesting. I told you it would be uh, the Homeland Security Grant. Basically, all the money that we're budgeting to spend is sitting in the current year, and so so is the revenue. So come at the end of this year, we'll just take whatever's left and we'll roll it into 21-22. And at such time, the additional grant becomes available. We'll incorporate that into the budget as well. So you're not saying it's a secret fund right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's laughs> yeah, the thing is, if, if we were sort of, 
we, we took over this because nobody else would. And we didn't want this money to just go away. But I, I can't tell you how, how long we're gonna do that. I mean, in two years, two months, a couple of days, the next person may decide, you know what? We don't wanna mess with this anymore. But for the, for the good of the community, we decided we ought to do this, much to the dismay of the finance staff. Uh, so, Special Activities Fund, here are the, basically the programs that run through this that you're probably most familiar with. Um, TAPT, Downtown Art Fund, and then the law enforcement actually does some training programs through here. Not a lot of revenue coming through here, and it's relatively consistent from one year to the next. Housing Fund, um, we still, I think, we're still planning on trying to get a school trace program one house a year, we can. That's the hope. Um, I say heavily subsidized by city staff. Historically, it has been. Uh, I don't know if that's going to change. I would imagine we still have to prop it up. We still have to prop it up. We are changing the ratio, though, and that's the position in planning that you mentioned charging the building. Yes. Those costs overall used to go almost entirely to building trades, and now those will be reduced. Yeah. Uh, dial a ride. So you see here, revenue equals expenses with no money in the, in the bank. So there's, there are CARES money uh, that's been granted to us, uh, but it's all on a reimbursement basis, correct? So we have to spend the money to get it. So it's not like we have the money sitting aside. Um, and, and we can't even say that we've earned it till we spent it. So at that point, this fund, unless there's some unique timing difference, we should always end up with, with no money left over. Mainly because the general fund, again, is the last item that's determined to balance this budget. And so if it does really well, and we don't need so much from the general fund, then we can reduce that at the end of the year, which again, historically we've been able to do. We don't plan on it because if for some reason it doesn't happen, well then we're, then we're on the wrong side. Uh, they got three buses that are coming out, 21-22 for $285,000. The net cost of the city is really the general fund transfer number, right? Yes. That's our really out-of-pocket. Yep, because you've got, this is the ridership, the 120000 Yeah. And then this is, uh, again, you know everything that's in there, you probably got this stuff memorized. Yeah. It's not very much. But... Yeah. The, the other revenue is actually the um, extra revenue we get from the MPO for dealing with them because we do services for them and then they pay us for them. What's the MPO? That's the Metropolitan Planning Organization. Most of you will know it as Yeah. Area Transportation Center. Okay. okay. So short answer is, yeah, that's that's the local match that comes in the form of general fund transfer. It looks like that number has been going up as well. I think it's, it was lower prior years even yet. Yep, it's, again, so these are, I mean, these are helpful. They are, uh, from a, as a planning tool, they are largely formula driven though. So we're, we do anticipate costs to go up, revenues to go with that. So as all of it goes up, the general fund share goes up. Until we know what exactly happens, if the state changes their reimbursement percentage or whatever, um, this number, again, is not usually that high. But we, we budget that because we have to we have to close the gap. We, we budget to be full employed and, and ideal world, just firing away on all cylinders. So um, hopefully that's not the case. 
it, it has, I don't have a 10 or 15 year graph, but it has trended up over time. Yeah. Mainly because I think the state used to, at one point the state was giving us, um, was it 60%? Caution, you bring it here. No, but it, 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 it's been down. So as that goes down, the city share goes up. And you mentioned CARES funding, which is a one-time sort of event, right? So is that going to cover this general fund transfer amount? We can't use it. There's strings attached to what we can use it for. And so we, we have to have the need for that to spend the federal dollars on that. In theory, it will reduce it. It will help reduce, but it won't eliminate. Is my understanding. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And so that's was a five-year horizon that was given to us. So we've got a few years left that we can use that. Uh, MCTV. You know the big big thing here is these guys are steady, um, but their revenue stream is declining, and you can tell that the costs, cost of doing business compared to what we're expecting to bring in is going to, at some point, start eroding their the fund balance. Um, so under this scenario, we would be, we'd have a million two, would give us a handful of years. At some point, we're gonna have to decide, okay, what, what's the right level of service for this, for MCTV, what do we want that to look like? And basically, how are we gonna pay for it? And that's the kind of go hand in hand. We're not there yet, and it's you know we're a couple of years out. But unless something changes, uh, and I'll tell you why, unless something changes in the formula and the law, uh, see so this number here, I would argue is probably optimistic. But um, but still, it, it gives you an idea that the, the revenue stream is coming down, and so. Like I said, it's not staring us right in the face, but it's not too far away from trying to figure out what we're going to do with this. So we talk about it every year because I don't want it to slip. Um, so it's on the radar. So, and not that we need to go into the discussion now, but do we have any statistics on um, number of programs versus viewers and all those kind of things? I'm sure Matt has all that data. Okay. That might be good for us to review it. I don't. I don't think we get into that level of detail on any of the budget book content. Yeah, no, no, no. I wasn't expecting it in the budget. I've seen Matt's presentation just, at uh, Citizens Academy. He's pretty thorough and yeah. very detailed. So I think he does a lot of that. Which you asked for. Yeah, I think that'll help us make yeah. the decisions. Okay. Especially the amount that's fixed, because I would assume that a large part of it is fixed, and so the additional programs probably incrementally aren't that much. But they'd be curious to know. And you know, the Chinese volunteers are there. It's it's not a robust, but the biggest thing is stuff to look at the equipment. Yeah. And they have to update to get back up with new technology. It's it's a paid investment. So, all right, the DDA. So the DDA has sort of grown to be picture worthy this year. Um, I've never had, we typically don't feature them in the budget message, but um, there, there's a lot going on. And so this simply gives the average reader some idea of all the stuff that is going on in the downtown district um, and what they've done. And looking, same comparison, uh, this is what we're proposing with two projected years. This fund balance will continue to grow 
So they've got two districts. Um, there is a, I say less brownfields, only one of them really is currently capturing, the other one at some point in the future will begin capturing. And what typically we do is uh, there's an interlocal agreement between the DEA and the brownfield, and the DEA agrees to give up certain capture until the developers pay back, and then it all comes back to them again. So we have that to look forward to. Um, then there's two mills of properties in the, the main district. They do get some money from the SARA for the uh, administration of MDEA. And they are out in the out years. They're paying between seventy-five and $87,000 uh, to the downtown parking fund, which when I get there, we'll talk more about that, but they have some ideas to kind of support the parking study in terms of enforcement, um, strategies and things of that nature. And so that, that all costs money and um, the DEA is going to, to pay for those um, changes. That service, so this this is great. I think in reality, in a year from now, what I'm going to show is there'll be big numbers here, and like that schedule is going to come all the way over here because we'll have another round of 20 20 year debt instruments of some sort. But for what's on the books today, uh, in 2223, we'll be paying off the judgment bond, and there's another one that was paid off already. So to the extent that we need this fund based on the debt that's in place today, that'll stop happening um, in 23-24. Moving on to the enterprise funds. Because, you know, break around the block, do some calisthenics. Keep going. Uh, we did some long city council meetings. That, that's true. <laughs> We've been in training. Keep going. Oh, that really hurts. <laughs> four-hour budget meeting. Well, we're training for Dave's budget session. <laughs> All right, Civic Arena. Um, so this this building, this operation is, is taking a, a pretty hard hit. I've mentioned that before. Uh, here's what we're looking forward to. Oh, for the next couple, three years, um, drawing our fund balance down, and mainly because there are capital items that we expect that we have to deal with the building is what 15 years old at least now and uh, you know things are starting to wear out we did spend quite a bit of money the last couple of years on that thankfully the general fund um, continues to provide funding to pay for the bonds that will be done in 2030. Uh, we still have the ice surfacing agreement with the mhl which has been really good for quality of ice and in terms of cost uh, we added either we're in an assistant manager um, we need capital reserve though. There's not, there's, this doesn't even, we probably, I can probably spend this three times over and not really have enough for what we're going to need to do over the next couple, three years. So this is an area that when we get the American recovery, that's, this is a use that it would certainly follow from what I know today, um, as an approved use for revenue loss. To help just help prop this building back up in this operation. Dave, when we did, what year did we do that bond on the Citrus Arena? Uh, yeah, we built it. So yeah. it was a 25 year bond, so 2005. Yeah. Actually, yeah. And how much was that bond? Well, it was 11 million, I think. Yeah, we refunded it twice to take advantage of lower interest rates. Sure. 
So the landfill. There's actually a lot that goes on in the landfill. Um, the roads has been, but there, now that we've done some consolidation on the books of the gas to energy, there's really a lot that goes on there. And uh, they have some really expensive stuff, whether it's capital purchases or capital projects. I mentioned the cell 17 that, um, is that going one day council? Did that ever go? No, that's the next one. Okay. Okay. Big, big ticket items. And, so this is a fund that saves and saves and saves and saves and saves, and then once we spend money on it, it has the effect of kind of cleaning out the bank a little bit. Um, so what you see here, these are conservative revenue projections. Uh, I will tell you that typically, whether it's demolition or contaminated soils or whatever, they actually usually do much better than they budget for, but again, you, that's not typical tipping fees, and so, they don't budget for that. We'll pick it up mid-year when we amend the budget. Uh, total expenditures, we're showing here as revenue over expenses for the next three years, driving this number down. So first of all, we won't let that happen. Uh, we haven't changed rates here forever. I'm not suggesting we do, but that's something that we have not done, I think, since I've been here. Um, so you know, that's an option. If we had to, we could. Uh, there's also costs, I think, that have been fixed for a number of years. General fund uses. Um, not a good thing for the general fund, but if we had to go back and revisit that, we, we could. And the the revenue stream, again, is, is typically much better than, than what they consider for the budget. So I'm not overly worried about it right now. It's just we just have to keep an eye on it. Unfortunately, Karen is the department head, and she's really good at that. So um, I feel better about that. Here are the items that we uh, are planning to spend capital-wise. Right. Senior housing. Okay, before we go to senior, I just wrote a little note to myself on landfill after you brought something up when we were talking about landfill before we were talking about landfill. See that question. So here's my question. You made a comment that you, you know, being out county, you get, you can come how many times in? Three. Three. I get the three free. Three free because the, because the county reimburses us for that? No. The county does not. We, we, the township does not reimburse us for that? I'm not aware of Just like in the city, you go and you get three free. Okay, wait, wait, wait. But that's our, okay. You're right. It is, that's, there's a difference. That is in the city. So, but, but there are there are arrangements. This is like goes back to Jack Duso days mm -hmm. um, with all the counties for the use of the landfill. Okay. Yeah, it, it's not quite as simple as an issue as that. It's mm -hmm. tied to other things, and I guess it's an interesting observation. But I'm not sure where you're going. But before we go, I, I just wanted to know if the townships were paying for you to tip, to go and put. Stuff in our landfill. Not that I'm aware of. There's no other revenue stream coming in. That. So that could be a question you're asking. Yeah. You can answer my question. So it's not a bad question. It's just there's more distorted. Yes. In, in the history yeah. for a while. So. Okay. Uh, senior housing. We'll go away. There we go. Uh, we start with Washington Woods. Total revenues. 
just under two million. Expenditures pretty consistent, about two million. Um, revenues we're going to be overspending for the next few years. Ongoing capital, always ongoing capital here. Uh, essentially spending down the fund balance, but I can tell you that 164 is a better number than I've seen there in the past. Um, so while it's not you know, cartwheels great, it, it's improvement. And here are the items that they're planning on spending money on. Um, it's built into the 21-22 budget. So this building was built in 78, 214 rooms. Their mix is 22% market, 78% discount, meaning income-based. Um, typically, they're at 98%. So if this should have said Friday, they were at 99.5%. Uh, there's no real wait list here, but because of what's been going on with COVID and everything else in our community, they elected both facilities just to leave rent alone for another year. Um, they've been very strategic in using CBG funds, and because they're 78% discount renters and meet the income criteria, uh, to pay for some of these large capital items that they have, there's uh, 225000 in the current year's budget and another 57000 next year. So. Comparatively speaking, they're doing really well. It's just a super tough game to be in that market. Um, and so they're in better shape than they have been. It's just capital is always a constant struggle. Um, and trying to get more market runners is a, is a constant struggle. But comparatively for them, they're doing well. Uh, Riverside Place, uh, this is tough. And I, you know, I made the comment, I. To staff, I don't. I don't even know what to do to, to fix this right now. It's. Um, I think once we get up and going and get all the rooms to get the roof fixed, to get the ground level fixed, to get the kitchen back indoors and everything up and going, we'll do better than these numbers. Um, expenditures, they're kind of expected to come back up again. But you know, this took a beating as well. The difference is this took a beating because of the flood, and not because of COVID. So we. We have to get strategic somehow if we want to try to improve the health of this facility so that it, it doesn't constantly uh, have these monetary challenges. Uh, they, they get a security camera for 25000 I think that's basically it in terms of capital, in addition to having a whole first floor redone and a new roof. That's not money. That stuff's already been budgeted for. Uh, so there's. Excuse me, budgeted in the current year. Yes. Not in the. Yes, one. correct. Okay. Yep. Um, 77% occupancy, which is really low, but um, we've got you know, the top floor, what did I say, two units they can't use, um, and some of the units they can use, but they're using them like for uh, like a beauty shop and all that stuff because those are the services they used to offer on the ground floor, which they, they can't because that is totally gutted right now. So, so they're, they're, Light occupancy, um, they've got 69 units at market and 46 at discount. That seems kind of high, but that's been the trend with the discount side going up. Again, no market increase, no market rent increase, um, and they got a new roof after the restoration is done. Uh, in terms of the restoration, we expect to get our final plans. They're supposed to come today, and so we hope to go out to bid on those tomorrow the next day, so you get it. Okay, uh, the curveball course. 
So these numbers don't really reflect, I mean, they do, they could have been a lot worse. Um, the one thing that Billy Casper does great sometimes is they control the expenses a little better than, than went before they were managing it. Uh, but they did take a hit on revenue. Um, and we talked about this before, they, they had what, 12 holes, no, nine, they had 15 holes on the West course. Um, this, the, the East, the West clubhouse, we are, that's kind of like the final frontier. Um, we're wrapping up the drawings, the design build, and that's who will go out probably next week. Um, but again, you don't have that, you don't have all the league sales after, you don't have the nice meeting room, you don't have the kitchen, you don't have a lot of stuff you can't, you can't host parties or banquets or whatever, um, and, and limited an outing. So it's been, it's been tough. And um, you know, we've got think these things scheduled for capital, but it's basically based on what we can afford. Uh, there's a lot more capital that probably needs to be done. I can tell you that there is a lot more capital that needs to be done, but the funding is just not there at this point. Um, so as much as the revenue has gone down, they've been pretty good at reducing expenses as well to try to keep things in check. Um, so we're, we're planning on some sort of a cutback, not, a, well, not an explosion, but we're planning on the revenues coming back once we can get things taken care of. But isn't the course itself playable right now? Yep, so the course, and actually the, the, the holes that have been curing uh, are gonna be open, I think, May 1st. And the problem we have though is the, the sand traps are a mess. And that's something else we're going out to bid on to try to get those repaired and then the irrigation system um, it's kind of patched together with leftover pieces. So it's working now, but long-term it took a beating. Uh, but yes, if you go to play golf, the greens, the fairways, nice shape, you go in the sand trap, you know, not so great. Yeah, I'm supposed to be there anyway. That's where I've spent my life. So the beverage cart lady knows where to find me. <laughs> no, not, you know, we've had good weather. We have. So I would think the revenues would maybe be better. Yeah. And, and actually they have. Old. They have, we've had an early spring, which has been really hot. Okay. So are we gonna get anything from FEMA for the golf course? Um, so it, short answer, yes. They're going to ding us pretty hard on the West Clubhouse, the East Clubhouse. Probably we'll get nothing on the Mary Street Garage. Uh, we will get funding, we should get funding for the, uh, the storage, the equipment barn. And we should get funding for the, the, the park area, which they consider to be the irrigation system, the, what Steve mentioned, Councilman Masters are, uh, about the greens and all that kind of stuff. They, they will provide funding for that. So it's not gonna be a total shutout, but they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna hit us on some of these other ones because we don't have their traditional flood insurance, what they would like us to see for those kind of facilities. So. And that's that's the that's the move they're making right now. So the big one will be Riverside Place because it's such a big, expensive building. You know, it could be potentially a it could be a half million dollars uh, for contents of the building and another four hundred thousand for uh, the building insurance itself. So that's the struggles we're kind of working with. But but you know the other stuff beyond that, we're hoping to get reimbursement. Uh, we have. I think there are five projects that we're just waiting for the state 
to get organized so they can start paying us. Uh, we've got debris removal, we've got the streets, we've got pump stations, and then there's uh, the paths underneath the uh, M20 bridge. There's one other one too. So, I mean, we've made a lot of progress. We just don't have the money to show for it yet. And, and uh, sorry, that's, that's a, a fuse that doesn't take much for <laughs> once you light it, man. So Mary Curry and her family, they they've been so helpful. Uh, you know, they don't have the, the big checks, but when you're strapped for money, any check is, is welcome. And she's done wondrous things for us as long as to get equipment, cut up trees, do a lot of little things here that uh, we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Okay, uh, parking fund. So the biggest expense here is the, the ramp. We are implementing parking study recommendations. Uh, I mentioned before, DDA is now going to fund any shortfalls we have here as opposed to the general fund. We have one part-time one part parking attendant, and we put a second in for next year so that you, know, you don't look at your watch and say, okay, well, it's Wednesday at 2 o'clock. I'm, I'm safe the rest of the day. No one's coming. Uh, so if we get two part-time people in, we can, we can constantly surveil the downtown area, the parking, and uh, do a better job, which will generate more revenue for the fund as well. So, okay, so here's another, and this is more for Brad. Um, have we thought about putting those meters in that you could just pay for your spot for X amount of time through your phone versus having to have parking attendants? So at the moment, most of the meters are all gone um, and have been removed, but we are looking at a number of alternatives. There was a parking study done, mm -hmm. and we're looking at all the implementations and recommendations that came out of that. Okay. Good. I'm just thinking it will save time. And for those that choose to come downtown and park and pay for parking, and um, so I doubt we'll lose any revenue, but, you know, they're also requiring additional people to actually walk in and make sure everybody's. You need the enforcement. That's yeah. positions that they've talked about to ensure that there's yeah. turnover of the parking spaces yep. is the primary concern for the businesses, but the secondary concern, of course, are the revenues needed to run on that program. Mm -hmm. okay. But I thought some of it was the cost of the <laughs> parking attendant versus the tickets. <clears throat> people abide by the rules. It's a losing deal. Kind of is, yeah. Yeah, from a revenue perspective. Yeah, from a revenue perspective. Brian McManus had a plan. He would just, he would put a gate at the front of Main Street, charge everybody 10 bucks, and put one at a time, and they could stay as long as they wanted. <laughs> okay. Uh, wastewater fund, we're getting into the biggies now. $7.6 million. Uh, $300,000 bond paid off in April, which was 60%, will be paid off in April, 60% funded by the general fund. There's a 3% rate increase for next year. Um, and of course, the million dollar contribution from the general fund for flood mitigation to help stabilize this fund. And it's, it's needed. So um, you look at the total revenue from one year to the next and the expenditures. Largely expenditure driven, um, but as you can see, there's a little difference in the revenue here from one year to the next. But at the end of the day, they're at 1.8 million, 1.4, 1.3. 
This is without the, all the additional capital that will be part of the infrastructure project. These are things that are, are done pretty much day in, day out for them. There's some payments down here, like the asset characterization, we still have to pay that off. Um, and some other things that would enable, it would, would help anyway, but it's not something to put in your specific because of that study. So um, if you took the funding of the general fund out, you can see how it would be in pretty, pretty rough shape, which this fund um, is, is it's very expensive to maintain these operations. What's the asset characterization? So that was the red zone. Okay, yeah. And they did it in three years, and yeah. so we could pay them off in five years, and so. And, and it's, again, I'm picking on it, at $8,000 for a copier? Must be a really, really nice copier. Yeah, maybe. They get nicer copiers than we would say at all. <laughs> I can look into that. It might yeah. be a, a, like a scanner three in one type thing. Yeah. yeah, I've got mine at home for 150 bucks. Yeah. So <laughs> it's probably probably the large uh, size print. Yeah. You copy it. Yeah. You copy it. But I don't know the specifics of it. Yeah, these are very sometimes very generic explanations to what they are. Okay. Uh, more fun. So this is the, other than the general fund, the biggest fund that we have, you can see, spends a lot of money, brings in a lot of money, relatively healthy. Um, there's always a lot going on here, 4% rate increase for next year, 14.4 million of expenditures. And these would be all the items that were in the uh, CIP. still good on PFAS so far but but there are increased requirements coming and there's still costs to do because of that but we I, you'll hear Dave talk and I've talked at different times about regulatory requirements that falls within that category some of it's lead and copper rules that Dave talked about some of this PFAS some of its discharge permits coming from the wastewater treatment plant um, the outcharged chemicals basically they come up there's, there's a variety of and they just keep stacking them on us. Okay. Uh, just combining and showing historical, the uh, increases to water and sewer rates. You can see there's a four and a three. Uh, for a one, one inch meter, it's about 10 bucks more per quarter for that household. So internal service funds, these are funds that provide service to all the other departments, information technology or information services, equipment development fund, the newly created uh, facility management, manager management, management. Uh, and our hope is to have a similar mechanism for that. So stores fund, stores revolving. Uh, this is basically inventory that comes in that gets used by multiple departments, whether it's DPS materials, signs, off supplies. The biggest one is fuel. Uh, and then I mentioned before, maybe I didn't, can't remember, uh, but we're going to be investing in a new fuel island. So that's why it's quite a large expense this year. And then it drops back down. Information services. So 
the Fed does a, a good job managing its budget. It's, it's generally pretty, pretty flat, and he always comes in under. Um, you know, you see things go up. The thing he does do is they buy their computers. It's not 10-year, 10-year, 10-year. It might be 31-year, 81-year. It just depends on when they were put in place, how long they have. So you see spikes come in here, and sometimes that's what it's related to. We are trying to gradually whittle down the fund balance to get to a half a million to do kind of a graceful landing. Um, we don't want it to go below that, but we don't really see a need to have this kind of capital tied up. And so we're trying to be very generous, um, controlling, whatever you want to call it, but very cognizant of, of that in terms of the, what we charge different departments. So we're trying to defer and minimize expenses as much as we can so we can try to keep these rates stable so we can gradually work our way down to this half a million. Facilities Management Fund. This is the brand new fund we've been talking about. The startup costs for the first year and a half are going to be split between City Hall and Library. And the eventual funding will be a fee charged to the user departments, uh, such as we do with the Portland Well and, and IS uh, for services rendered. The Equipment Revolving Fund. This is actually a really big operation, and uh, we've come a long way. I know it's been probably at least 10 years when Karen sat across me at her desk and said, okay, what are we gonna do to fix this? Because the problem we had is we had a lot of long life assets that were purchased and put in there at a very low rental rate. So when it became time to replace a fire truck or whatever, we had $700,000 and needed a million dollars. So and there was there was a, a stigma many, many years ago about having this much fund balance in here. And it was always the pressure of trying to keep this fairly low, which works okay until you have to replace the first big truck that costs a million dollars when you realize, wow, I'm having money left. So we worked really hard to, to get this so that you could look out three years and you could replace capital as intended and still have money left over. That, that's not a luxury we've always had. So anyway, this this is this plan is, is now working pretty well. And you can see the upcoming year, it's two million dollars um, from a tire spreader, which apparently costs the same amount as a copier, <laughs> all the way up to a fire truck for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So the, the fire truck, mm -hmm. that's that's just is money being put aside for a fire truck, or is that is that seven hundred fifty thousand dollars being put aside? Are we get a new fire truck. Is what I'm asking. Yeah. So really? Yeah. So the general wants what's scheduled. So we'll take the old one and we'll. Oh, we've got two old ones, right? Or how many? Depends on which one it is. We have. You talk about the ladder trucks. Those are more. Those are over a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have the ladder. So yeah, this is. This is the equipment revolving fund taking the contributions from the general fund that's accumulated over time to go out and buy a replacement fire truck. So the, the, the chore comes to be, okay, so that one's 750. So I know in 15 years, it's gonna be a million 250. So now we have to start putting aside more money so that when we replace the next one, we have enough money to pay for it. And that's, that's how you see sometimes the spikes come up in the equipment revolving fees so that we can make sure we have enough money there to pay for this when it's when it's due to be replaced. 
And can we give, instead of a compact car for the police, can we get them an SUV since it costs a lot less? Is it $44,000 for a compact and you got $27,000 for an SUV? Um, that's an outfitted vehicle too. Yeah. I'd have to look and see. Well, they would still be spending that amount. Then you got patrol cars that are coming in about forty. Yeah, those. So the interesting thing about patrol cars is, if the manufacturer upgrades the style, the interior, then all the stuff that we bought from the inside for all three of the cars no longer fits. So we have to we have to plan on replacing some of that stuff or much of that stuff every five or six years as the models get updated. So. I don't know where these fall in that whole mix, um, honestly. So, okay. but if, I mean, if you have questions, we could. Well, I just, you know, it's just the, the numbers for what yeah. seems to be a similar vehicle, they're all over the place. Dave, can I speak to that? You may. Um, I believe the SUV is the additional funding that we're putting in to prepare for when we have to replace the canine vehicle. That's not the full vehicle price. That's just the additional money to plan for our future with the one that we know we'll have to replace. That's my guess. Not 100% sure. Which makes sense because you're not going to buy an SUV for $27,000. And so it's probably a top up to the SUV or to the earth for that particular vehicle because we don't have sufficient funds for it. Yeah, because that vehicle initially wasn't in the program, so we um, wanted to rotate it in with all of our other vehicles. So we had to put additional money into that fund to make that happen. Okay. Makes sense. So that, that could make sense. I, we can track that down. Yeah. Um, sometimes we, we do this a couple different ways. If we buy a piece of equipment that's not fully funded, the department will just pay the balance. And so the earth is only going to pay what we had given it to them. Okay. So if it's a $40,000 vehicle, then in theory, the, the police department and their budget should be coming up with the balance to cover that. Um, and that doesn't always happen. I mean, it rarely happens, honestly, but it does happen. Most of the time, we're able to get the money in there and have it accumulated. So this $27,000 would be $40,000. Mm -hmm. um, so. Hey, Dave. Yeah. This is Karen. Um, I was able to pull up the um, actual schedule that we have for these pieces of equipment. So the compact car that you see for 44000 that's actually two compact cars. So I think we just missed a, um, a, a note there. So we, we're budgeting 22000 a piece for two Ford Fusions. And then we are budgeting 27000 for um, a Dodge Journey. And it's surprising on the state contracts how low some of those um, costs are. So that 27,000 is a replacement for an existing um, police unit that's a that's a Dodge Journey. Um, and then that top line item is uh, for two vehicles. Yeah. So one, once you see that it's two vehicles, it makes sense then. Yeah. The I assume there's more than one over two for 135,000. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you'd be surprised that that mower is one mower, and I don't want to get into the weeds, but um, that's one very large mower. Um, put some cutting blades behind the fusions. <laughs> it's, it's like a 15-foot wide wide area mower. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice tractor. Well, tractors cost a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Karen. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, 
Can we move on? Yeah. All right. Uh, municipal Service Center Fund. So this is a fund for the building and its revenue sources from its tenants, which would be EPS, Parks and Rec, Water, Signs and Signals, Dial Ride, and Earth. So they pay into this fund uh, for rent, essentially, to use the building. Uh, increased annual rents, 3% for next year, and we will reevaluate uh, year after that. The reason is because you know, when we're saving for a roof or a parking lot or something big, in the near term, we would want to have a big number down here. However, we have a new facilities manager, and I'm really eager for him to get intimately familiar with this building and you know, what needs to be done, what that's going to cost, when it has to be done. We can take all that information, come back, and then we can apply it to this and see are we really adequately funded or not. So more to come on that. Uh, the annex, again, a handful of tenants pay rent. Uh, this building is, well, it turned out, started out to be a great idea. Um, and then we found out there was some structural issues, but initially we thought, well, every five years we go through these changes and the building's good for another five years. There are more problems than that. And this is a conversation I've been sharing with you for a couple of years now. The, the, the issue or the problem is, is that the location of the building when it's not flooding is great. It's a great place for a hub to get downtown, to be with parks and all that. Um, and so to replace it, we want to try to find it geographically somewhere nearby, but you still have the same flooding issues. And to, to build it, we were thinking, is it Red Coats was the logical place to do it? But again, it's a really expensive uh, proposition. So at this point, we're still here. Um, we did put some money into this after the flood to, to make it safer, presentable, etc. cetera. Um, but I don't know that, that without spending a lot of money on the situation, this, this building, this whole predicament is going to stay the same. So, and we don't have an answer right now because it's so much money. The insurance fund, property liability insurance, this basically has all of our insurances that come through here. We pay the premiums out of here. We would pay the deductibles, co-pays, and then we would charge the individual departments a fee um, to be part of the insurance program. So. Many years in a row, the fund balance kept growing and growing and growing. We were using it to, to basically defer increases and save the department's money for like a decade. But we freed up some of it to help pay for some of the flood costs. And then the renewals came in, probably because we keep getting floods, uh, came in a bit higher than we anticipated, than I anticipated. So this is fairly low. Um, we're going to have to restore this. And, and it's okay. We can do that over time. Um, I'm just, you know, we're not going to be able to just ignore premiums passing them out of departments and then try to soften the blow by using money in the savings account because we, we used a big part of that to try to cover some of the costs that we incurred with the flood. So this will be a work in process for me for the next couple of years. Uh, the health insurance fund is kind of the opposite spectrum. So here we try to set aside money. Um, and fund balance to cover two bad years of claims because we are largely self-insured and being self-insured your rates are set based on your claims experience and we do have protection at the grand level and so we, we 
you put aside money to cover us if we were to actually ever get to that amount um, for two years in a row because your claims one year set your premiums for the next year. Um, so if you have a bad year, initially we'd be paying in more the next year as well. Anything above that, though, we try to, to put to work. And for example, the portion that relates to retirees, we've got a half million dollars in the current year budget that we'll write to MERS uh, to put into the OPEP trust to help pay down on public liabilities. For the actives, we take the excess money and we use it to offset increases in the illustrative rates that we get from Blue Cross. That saves the department's money. It also saves the employees' money who have to pay a cost share to be part of the insurance program. And we've had a pretty decent experience. The Medicare Advantage, which once you get to be 65, you go on to the Medicare Advantage plan. Um, our renewal at 1121 was a negative 13, so it was a reduction. Prior, it was a 3% reduction. And then for um, those that are pre-65, they're still on the fully insured, self-insured program. It was less than a one and a half percent increase this past year uh, compared to a 10% the year before. Um, on the actives, it was a half a percent increase. So we've, we're, sometimes you get hammered, sometimes you're in a good spot. We're in a decent spot for the last couple of years. And so you know, we're able to do these things and we're still able to have a, a pretty healthy fund. Um, special assessment revolving fund. So this fund, the intent of this fund is to, when you have a special assessment district established, the homeowner pays a portion. This is attempted to pay their costs uh, upfront and then they pay the city back like a loan at an interest rate over a period of time. So what we have here is we have $2.2 million of cash and then about $150,000 of receivables. Uh, there hasn't been hardly any activity that we've used this for. So I share this because I mean, it's a strategic thing to do, but depending upon which way we go with this whole infrastructure, um, as it relates to homes and footing drains and those kind of things, and, and you know, determinations that, that may have been made, I'm just not aware of yet, or we will get to later, uh, this, there is some funding here that we could use to help pay for those upfront costs to have to be reimbursed over time. So does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. Okay. Now in absence of that, we would have to sell bonds or loan or whatever for the entire amount of the project. And if we were still gonna pass costs directly out of the homeowners, then in certain cases, then they would pay us back through that. We would just not use this money, just be more money that we'd be borrowing. So. So that's the end of uh, just the, the, the statement that, you know, I was here in January. We, we think we heard you, what you were hoping. Um, we think this budget meets the directives, provides a safe platform so that we can make adjustments if needed or desired uh, in response to changes that will occur over the rest of the year that we're in, as well as uh, into next year. And just a reminder, our first public hearing it is next Monday at 7. And that is the end of my presentation. So, okay. So, um, as Steve indicated, this is really your step. Uh, at this point, you've asked questions as we've gone along here. Um, but the budget really now is presented to you for discussion questions and so forth. 
Uh, as we have indicated, we continue to try to be conservative as we go through this. We've done that historically and served as well, and we've tried that again this year. Um, we recognize that, and you showed as well, that there are certain decisions still to come. Um, the expenditure of the ARC uh, funds, for example, is not in here yet, and that will be a separate discussion. The whole flood response uh, will be a separate discussion as well. Um, but we are pursuing on that front, just so you know, also any and all options for other funding sources, whether it be special appropriations, whether it be grants and so forth. So all of that is being collected, but again, separate discussion outside of the, the budget presented to you this evening. So uh, with that, Madam Mayor, we turn it over to you. If there's any further questions, um, uh, we'll do their best or we'll get back to you if we can't answer them tonight. And then we'll proceed next week starting with the public hearings. Okay. I just want to reiterate if you know, if you just have questions that you don't want to ask now or it's no big deal, but you'd really like to know, just send me an email. I'm, I'm happy to respond to, to everybody who can share whatever information I can. So, so any questions? Okay. So first, every year we tell you, you want them an amazing job, but we have to tell you again, You've done more than an amazing job with everything that has happened in the last year. And just know that uh, appreciate all the adjustments, all the work, um, and everything else. And we still came out not having to um, raise taxes. So absolutely amazing. Um, I don't know if you were looking for support right now regarding the staffing solutions, but I wanted to say, you know what? Um, definitely support those. Council is not in the role of managing day-to-day -day operations. And so we haven't been able to hire and replace um, some key people that have left. And you found a different way to work around it. So appreciate that effort in saying, hey, you know what? We aren't getting anything happening this way you know what, we have another part of the strategy that we're bringing forth, which led me to think about in the last year, there have been a lot of challenges and a lot of things we've had to react to. And in the midst of everything, I know you haven't had time to sit back and really think, but what have been the learnings in the last year? And is there anything from you know, an operational perspective for the city um, that we may be wanting to do differently? Are there any businesses that we're into where we're going, you know what, it's time to get out of this. We've been doing this long enough. And not saying I'm looking for anything for this budget session, but I'd say over the next year when we get back together in January that if you think of some things, I have some things in mind, but it's not my role. <laughs> but I think you should bring those forth because we don't know, you know, what the future holds. Um, but I think with all the things we've been through and all the things we've learned and responded to, there might be some things you want to change and some things that we want to say, you know what, we don't need to be doing this. And let's plan to, you know, an exit plan for. So those are my comments, but extremely nice job. 
Madam Mayor, if I may respond to that just in part at least. And first of all, thank you for um, recognizing and acknowledging that there is a distinction between what council does and what we do at the staff level. Um, and sometimes we, of course, work very closely together and we both, I think, blur those lines sometimes going back and forth. So thank you for that. But on a larger scale, I think one of the things that, two things actually, first of all, as far as if there's ideas that are out there, um, I would certainly, we talk each and every month, all of us uh, do over the course of the years. Um, and if there are ideas there and you wish to share them with me, I'm more than happy to hear them and listen to them. And if they make sense, we'll implement them. And if they don't, uh, I think we've got all got a good enough relationship. I can sit and talk to you and say, here's why it doesn't work or won't work and why. And so I've appreciated that back and forth with you over time. Um, the other side, though, that I wanted to say was three years ago, I think, when I started in this role, at least, talking to you in our council uh, goal-setting agendas, um, we started to talk about what's important and have we really looked at, internally looked at, how our departments work and exactly, I think, what you're getting at. And the fact that we started that three years ago, really, have been working on it incrementally ever since, gave us the opportunity about this time last year to make some adjustments on the fly. Um, that we might not have been able to make if we had not gone through that exercise. It's also given us the opportunity in this budget year to really look at it and say, um, in particular, the, the strong regulatory fields that we've addressed in part through these budgets and changes. Um, it's given us the ability to say we're really not well positioned. Um, I've described it to you all before and I've said, as long as everything goes well, we're great. But the moment something doesn't go well, um, we're too thin in certain areas. And we've started to address those in the budget. And so the past three years of work really have allowed us to do that. So the effort, I think, has been well worthwhile. Any other comments or questions? Can you kind of give me a quick synopsis on retiree benefits? What percentage are we unfunded or funded? And has that been an improvement over the past couple of years? Um, so there's three different plans. Mm -hmm. The retired health care, we are at 60% funded, which is getting better every year, primarily because those benefits aren't given out anymore. Um, and we, we started funding those before we became mandated to fund those. And so we kind of got a jump start for our communities. The police and fire pension, uh, we are at 77% funded. That true is getting better. We were we we're on a better course until we got that slap in the face, I'll call it, from the arbitrator. Um, but we have had decent years with the, um, the market. We have, we're way ahead of MERS in terms of what our assumptions are. And so you know, we're not expecting these huge numbers. Um, so we're, we're better able positioned to play with the rules, I guess. Um, so that's gradually getting better and better. But we continue to work on that. And then final is MERS. Um, we're at 60% funded. We were well, well beyond that at some point in time, I can tell you. I think I showed you a, in January, I showed you a, a funding chart that, so they're, they're addressing the assumptions. First, they're doing the uh, demographic one year, and then next year, they're gonna do the economic. Neither one of those are gonna be friends to us, and so that's going to push us out in terms of trying to get it to an acceptable funding level. And, and the money that you all are allowing me to put in now is over and above, it's going to become part of the 
uh, arc uh, a year or two in the future. So um, we have $138 million unfunded liability, all plans combined. We're at about 60% overall funded, all plans. So we're making progress. It's just this is not going to go away. And you know, it, it's tied very heavily on the stock market because these plans are designed so that half the benefits that are paid out of them come from earnings from the stock market. And with the volatility that we've had, uh, you know, when it's great, it's great. But that can change on a dime. And when that happens, you know, we end up paying for it for a few years into the future to make up. So if you want a better answer, that's, that's kind of where we are. If I could, I wanted to go back to Barstow for, for a second. I know this past, this year has been a year in transition. You mentioned that the cost was going up because of some capital expenditures, and I see that reflected in the proposed budget. But the the, the personal services and the other services and charges, I would have expected to kind of be more offsetting. But it looks like what we've done is we've kind of jumped up uh, in 2021-22, and that seems to then that trend sort of continues higher. So I don't know if there's a going to be a, a, maybe more looking at where we are there in terms of expenditures. I know we're doing it operating on a different business model now, but yeah. I would have thought that the other services and charges would have dropped some more than, than how we did it. Um, they should have. I don't have that. Hey, just take this one. Just take a look at it. Yeah, because we, we essentially canceled the contract. Right. And there were a couple of other things that were we were also hey, associated with that. So that came up. We all paid for the additional staff we put out. I think the net net was more expensive. Uh, not hugely more expensive, mm -hmm. but was it? 10 grand, you know, 10 or 15 pounds. Well, yeah, somewhere in that range. Uh, it might have been a little bit more than that, but yeah. it, it, there was uh, most definitely an increase in cost when we moved away from the contractual service obligations of bringing personnel on and hiring them as city employees as opposed to contractual um, to up the service level that would be provided at the airport. So, yeah, I, I kind of expected, of course, this year, this current year, and then the coming year, but then I would have thought it would have probably normalized more than it. And I saw it at least reflected. I know these are not projections are not fixed in stone, but right. something to, that I was noticing. And then the other thing that I, I noted uh, in the wastewater, there was a narrative that talked about how many millions of gallons per day the plants designed for versus what we actually processed. It was like 9.8 for we're, we're processing more than the plants designed for. Um, and I just want to make sure that's accurate. Um, I didn't write the, the page number down in the thing, but it was it was in the narrative part of the wastewater. Yeah, somewhere around page two forty nine, looking, but <laughs> I'd have to find it now. Yeah, just don't wish I can look into that. Double check that, because that would seem to be not sustainable. <laughs> Right. I mean, I guess it emphasizes more the importance of other changes we're, we're talking about making in the sanitary services. Right. Oh, so I think the uh, comments in the first paragraph were talked about having a design capacity of 9.0 million, 9 yes. million gallons, having an average daily flow of 9.77 million gallons. Um, yeah, that does, that seems off, but we'll, we'll look into that. Okay. Of course, we did have a pretty big surge, but I don't think it should have rounded up that high. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, thanks for the presentation. Uh, believe it or not, they did answer a lot of the questions I know in my mind first. <laughs> I would say great minds, but I don't want to insult you. So. <laughs> <laughs> program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website cityofmidlandmi.gov/mctv.